0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 709
1: on CJD. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host, Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. Josh, how are you? I'm excellent, Dan. Great. And in studio with us, uh, we have a couple tonight, Deborah Asili uh, and John Bilikas from Paramount Paper Products. Deborah and John, welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. So Josh, perhaps we should start uh, from the beginning. Uh, what is Paramount? Uh, what kind of business they do?
2: Absolutely. And you know, tonight, Dan, I mean, we're going to hear a lot. This is a family business. This is a second generation family business. And there was a little bit of hardship along the way that I'm sure took a bit of a toll. But, you know, they made the most of it and they came through. So let's get right into it, and perhaps uh, John or Deborah, you can let us know what does Paramount Paper do today. What product service does it provide?
3: Well, today Paramount uh, Paper is a distributor of industrial products, servicing the Greater Montreal area. Uh, I'd say a good um, eighty kilometers uh, radius, and we basically take care of uh, anything that a manufacturer would need to package their goods to ship it out. Well, we're there for them.
2: Any type of material
3: in the in the product? Honestly, pretty much. I mean, our specialty is corrugated boxes. Uh, so when you put your product in there, you might need some void fill. You might need uh, tape to close the box, uh, pallet wrap to pack it around the pallet, to ship it on the, to stick it on the truck. Uh, and even, we have a lot of customers obviously today because more and more customers are importing, um, they need uh, point-of-purchase displays or pallet programs, so the stuff comes in in boxes and we create some uh, displays for them.
2: So as simple as it sounds, I mean there's certainly some uh, intricacies towards it and, and, and how you actually get to the customer and how you differentiate yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us Debra, this is, this is your father's business has started it. Give us a bit of history mm-hmm. on how perhaps when he started it and how you got into the picture.
4: Well my father started Uh, as a paper salesman selling craft rolls for a company in his 20s. And uh, my father had two brothers, one who was working in the accounting department at Kruger. And uh, my father decided to leave the company he was with and start his own paper company with his other brother, Fred. Uh, They started in 1958, uh, selling craft paper and then starting to buy boxes from his, uh, from Kruger with a deal they made, in I don't know, back in the uh, mm-hmm. early '60s, uh, buying boxes and supplying the apparel trade in Montreal. The apparel trade was booming at that time in the uh, late '70s and '80s, and he did pretty well for himself.
2: And how did you get into this business?
4: <laughs> That's a funny story. I um, graduated in graphic design. And I had a studio with a girlfriend of mine who um, got engaged, got married, and um, moved out of the studio. So I needed a place to hang my hat and put my uh, graphic design business, and I asked my dad if I could have an office. And also at the same time, it was the late 80s. My uncle was retiring at that time, and we were in a recession and my father was struggling, and I said, you know what, I'll do a part-time graphic design, and I'll help you while I'm in the office, I'll go out and I'll do a few sales for you, until you get back on your feet and come out of the recession.
2: So your role was more in a sales function back then? I mean, how did you how did you share or split the roles with your dad when you first started?
4: I did start in sales, I did that for quite a few years, I was out on the road, and uh well, it was a small office, so the sales uh, people from all the suppliers used to come in. He used to introduce me, and slowly but surely, I didn't even notice that he was introducing me to all the suppliers and teaching me the business. He was never an imposing man. Uh, he let me uh, do as I wanted, I think, which was the best thing for you know for me, because I think if he had told me I had to do it, perhaps I wouldn't have done it. But... Um Slowly but surely, he gave me more and more responsibility, and we took it from there.
2: Were you ever, I mean, I guess in starting out in your learning, and sometimes it's difficult for the next generation to pick up and learn the ropes. You came in, you know, you were, you, you had possibly had some fresh ideas or a different way to look at it. Did you pick up in his style and continue? Did you have a different style? Uh, did you ever, did you mostly agree on where you were going, or perhaps not?
4: Well, for many years, I kept in his style. When he was with us, we did it all his way. He was a, a big, domineering-type uh, man, but very, very good at what he did and very well-liked and, uh, and very good. And he ran the show, and I just ran under him. I really didn't expect to take over the show anyway at that point. And then when he passed away... In 1996, and I took over the company. Then, I was young and afraid, and every day I said, "Well, I have to do it like my father did. I have to do it like my father did," and that went on for years.
2: And it's and certainly for an entrepreneur in the next generation, it's hard enough to do it when you know the parent is around, but to pick up that 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 responsibility when they're no longer there is something that you really have to learn really quick, and I, I have no I, no doubt that it was an emotional time, and I look forward to hearing a little bit more about that in a moment.
1: It wasn't the only uh, emotional time to overcome as well for uh, for your family, Deborah, and we'll, we'll get more into that and and, uh, and perhaps uh, inspire some business owners who may be going through uh, some similar times uh, losing loved ones. Uh, 7.15 on CJAD.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur Inspiring Stories from Outstanding Business People, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller. I guest this evening, Deborah Assily and John Velikas from uh, Paramount Paper Products. And uh, Deborah, we're talking about your entry into the business and how, um, John, you said during the break, I thought it was really well put, so I'll repeat it. Uh, the torch wasn't passed on, but it sort of fell in Deborah's lap. Uh, your father was passed on um... very quickly and uh... you found yourself heading this business tell me about that experience and sort of being thrown into the flame uh, right away
4: Well, it was difficult. We were in shock, and here we were with a company. My father hadn't left any (laughs) instruction manual, you know, of how to. And uh, here we were, my brother, myself, and uh, John was in another job, and I asked him to come join us. And the three of us, with very little experience, had this company. And how were we going to go forward? We weren't sure. One thing my father did leave us with was very good advisors, He left us with an excellent accountant who became a very good friend to us and an excellent lawyer who was able to guide us. And I remember the day that I sat with the accountant and my brother and myself and, you know, we said, okay, well, who's going to do what and how are we going to get past this time? And he was very encouraging. And he said, Debbie, you know, you're very good at organizing and you're good at, taking care of money and and administration, and you're gonna be just great at that. And John and Peter were excellent salespeople. They were naturally born uh, salespeople and well-liked guys. And he says, you know, you guys are gonna go out and you're gonna compete against each other and you're gonna have fun doing it, and and it's just gonna be great, and that's what we did.
2: So because when when you have this family dynamic and this change, figuring out what you do well and what you may need help on is is really important so the roles between I guess now the three of you uh Deborah you and your brother and certainly John there this this advice that you received did it's did it strike a chord like you knew that's the way it had to be and how did you I guess did you ever overlap and were you each other's support
4: We overlapped in a bit. My brother was a very uh, bright man, and he could have as easily become president as I did. Um, He was 10 years younger than I was, so by default, I became the president at that time. We had made a pact between us that I would be president for 10 years, and then when he reached the age that I was starting, which would have been 30 then he would've taken on the being president and I would've happily retired (laughs) at 40. Um, But unfortunately, life didn't turn out that way.
2: John, when you first came into this business, I mean, it was also a big change in your life. Yes. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit how you kind of got in and and worked into that
3: family dynamic. Well, um, geez, I don't know where to start, but um, sales definitely was my forte. I worked uh, with a watch import company prior, uh, then I went into the car business. Uh, so going to visit, let's say, buyers, like uh, in the paper business, was uh, fairly easy for me. Um, uh, well, basically, I'm the gas and she's the brakes. So I was just, I'll <laughs> go, let's go do this, let's buy this, let's, you know, I was uh, really gung-ho, bring an inventory and I'll sell it, you know. and. Um, somewhere in between we met and we created this uh, beautiful business and, and
2: again it's it's quite amazing to have a brother a sister and an in-law brother-in-law and a husband mm-hmm. uh come in and work together all in such a short period of time communication i presume has to be key
3: yeah i think and one of the main things sorry it that made it all work it was because uh it wasn't a choice it was a question of survival so to speak i we you know I here I am I show up and and we had a business with a great foundation uh, great history all the tools were there all it needed was a little bit more sales it needed that youth injection and that's what Peter and I went and did and uh, we just doubled and tripled the business uh, year after year um, and had a blast doing it
1: We'll talk more about uh, where that energy has led you uh, today, guys, and and some other challenges that you have faced over the years as well. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD at 723.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants, and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Our guests on Today's Entrepreneur tonight is Deborah Asseli and John Balikas from Paramount Paper Products. Uh, You guys experienced some personal tragedy fought through it and you find yourself uh, both young with a a new company um, and looking for ways to sort of break out. Um, Deborah, how did you deal with the the financing aspect? Uh, You're fairly new to the business. Of course, you've you've observed from your father, um, but you're new in terms of running a business like that. Uh, Was the the financing uh, part difficult, dealing with banks, uh, getting credit, uh, things like that?
4: At that time, people are different than they are today. I was able to walk to the bank, which was literally down the street, you know, my bank manager was actually sitting in an office with an open door and he welcomed me in. We uh, were able to sit down with him and explain the situation. He was completely understanding. If I had a new project or a um, uh, extra financing, he would uh, lend me the money on the situation. It was much, much different than it is today.
2: And how is it different today?
4: Well, I don't know where my bank manager sits today. <laughs> right. <laughs> Apparently in a building somewhere downtown that doesn't allow human beings to enter. <laughs> <laughs> and the
2: decision makers might even be in a different city. Yeah.
4: Upstairs where I'm, I haven't figured that out yet.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so it, was it a difficult transition? I mean, were, were you at all reliant on the banks? Did you have to be more proactive with them?
4: Well, not only was the bank helpful at that time, but I was very grateful to have very close suppliers that my father had dealt with for over 40 years. And uh, they came to me and they said, we completely understand that you're a second generation um, starting over and we this is completely normalist, normal transition, and we'll do anything to help you uh, transition. And they were very... Um, nice as far as allowing me time for credit and allowing me the time to reorganize
2: our suppliers do you find your suppliers today as supportive in the same mindset as they were maybe 15 20 years ago
4: well you know the paper industry is a very close industry and once you're in it you never seem to leave i have the same suppliers and mentors and close friends that my father did still today believe it or not there are many many people still in the industry and I was very lucky to be able to rely on them for all these years uh, often when we get a new supplier it's it's not like that today um, people do business differently the uh, people who get um, who just come into this industry perhaps the younger generation um, don't do business in that way anymore.
2: and I mean you're dealing with this product that that can change so rapidly and that you know people look it's they look for price uh, I don't know if it's as much do they look more for price today or for or for what's what makes up the product what service how did you how did you kind of attack that with your customers
3: well the buyer is always looking for a price at least that's what they you know portray or come across but we all know um that it's not just the price, but it's a finished product and how it gets there, how it performs, um, and how you're basically serviced and taken care of.
2: And and I think, you know, just before we, we come to the break, it's, you see it time and time again, as customers want to go to the Far East or expect all these goods to be purchased in the Far East, how do they differentiate themselves here in Canada? Well, there's really only a couple of ways to do it. And time and time again, entrepreneurs realize that it's I gotta provide good service. I gotta provide good design. I gotta provide knowledge that they can't necessarily get so readily overseas. And if you can do that and differentiate yourself, well, that's when you'll really be
1: above the rest. More with Deborah and John from Paramount Paper Products in just a moment. But first, at seven thirty.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar, along with my co-host, Josh Miller of Fuller Landau, and Josh, our guest this evening, uh, Deborah Asseli and John Bilikas from Paramount Paper Products. And uh, we're talking, uh, uh, every time we profile entrepreneurs lately, Josh, we have to deal with the recession, of course, because it, it affects everyone. And uh, and I was saying during the break that uh, that Deborah and John, um, you, mu- you must be ahead of the trend because in, in packaging and in paper products, uh, you package the goods before they're shipped, right? So did you see this coming uh, uh, early on?
4: Well, we had a a boom in 2008, uh, sorry, in 2006. Uh, we had our best years, 2005, 2006, and all of a sudden, 2007, things started to just slow down a tad. And I thought, gee, that was odd, you know, nothing was out on the news yet and nothing was really spoken about what was to come. Uh, so yes, looking back now, I do realize that we did see it coming first, and we get out of it first as well.
2: So how did you react? What do you, and now you started this business. You came in in a recessionary period, and now you're we're kind of talking about two thousand and eight and another period. So how how do you read now that you have this knowledge under your belt of this has been your business for a number of years now? You really know it like the back of your hand. You have a great team around you what happens what does paramount paper do 2008 when this wall kind of hits well
4: you would have thought that i was used to it being through a recession the first time (laughs) excuse me but uh we were quite surprised this was a recession like no weather Uh, we lost a major customer at that time uh, in the spring of 2008 and then which would have been fine if we lost one customer we could sustain that that's not the end of the world and then in September we had the boom and people stopped buying altogether we sell to manufacturers who sell to the retailers and that Christmas was just horrible and nothing was going to the retailers. so that was quite shocking
1: like a one two three (laughs) it was (laughs) let's ask you to, to then look in your crystal ball because you are seeing now Orders accumulate, I'm assuming, for Christmas. Uh, how, how is it looking for Christmas and beyond right now?
4: You know, that we're doing pretty good this year. Um, every year since then, we've uh, improved our business, got more orders, got more customers. The economy is doing well. I know that there's bad news out on the uh, radio of Europe and so on, but uh, in Canada and Montreal, things are still stable.
2: So let's come back to 2008. You... You had mentioned the loss of a customer. Does one customer ever mean a a big effect to your bottom line? I mean, have you ever relied too much on any one customer?
4: Well, this customer in particular represented a large uh, number in our total sales. As we were growing from 96 when my father passed away, we grew, we doubled, tripled, and quadrupled our business, and this one customer in particular represented approximately thirty percent of our business. Um, so, you know, we were just enjoying having this customer and uh, never thought twice about
3: it. We did bring him down to about twenty-two percent, but then he went and bought himself another company, and then we just shot back up to mm-hmm. a little over thirty. So, how do you how do you deal when when you
2: have this realization that? this is too much, and a lot of entrepreneurs face this because it's difficult to say no to a customer, mm-hmm. and when they want to keep giving more business and more business and more business, you absolutely, I mean, you see the bottom line, it's great, you, you're servicing, you have a great relationship with them, but yet in the back of your mind, you got to say, it's well, there. what risk, what risk am I taking on if this individual business, you know, either leaves tomorrow, you know, can I still continue? So how did you, how did you react? What were some of the things that you, that you did either before or after this customer left?
4: Well, two years prior to its bankruptcy was about the peak of their business and our business. And I realized that our receivables with this customer was quite high, and I would never put our company in jeopardy. So I uh, went out and I investigated insurance on our receivables. And the cost of the of insuring was very, very high, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what to do. And I went out and I got a lot of advice, and people said, you know, just do it. Never put your company at risk. And I spent the money, and I did it, and boy, was I glad that I did it. really saved the company.
2: Did you, what, was it a question, and what do you do today? Do you still insure your customers, or was it really just that one account?
4: Well, we learned from... Uh, from what had happened, and we restructured the company, and our company is in a completely different position today. We replaced that one company with many, many other customers with lower uh, credit per customer. We're also very stringent on not delaying uh, receivables and so on. So it's it's a much different uh, situation today.
1: With that one firm, uh, you must have had an accounts receivable person who was. Is- Uh, friendly but firm at the same time. How do you strike that balance when you have such a large account? You want to make sure the money comes in, but not to offend them.
4: That's something I struggle with all the time, because my father was such a great guy, he (laughs) gave credit to everybody. And uh, many people knew him and called me all the time and said, well, your father would have done it. And I feel very badly about it. But it's a new world, and we have to put these rules in place. And uh, we want to stay around for another 50 years, and in order to do so, we have to have these rules.
2: So let's come back to the two thousand eight. This recession, you, you were hit. How does it change? How, how did you had to go out and I guess find new customers? How did it change maybe your marketing plan or your 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 vision and what the business should be doing going forward?
4: Well, we had to restructure. It was the first time where we actually looked at every department of our company. We went to every employee. We structured their job. We changed some jobs around. We analyzed our customers we analyzed per industry and now we focus selling which means we decide who we want to sell to and we go to them versus waiting for customers to come to us
2: and how do you find them
4: Well, mainly word of mouth
3: (coughs) sorry basically um, our forte has always been having some sort of relationship or connection with the particular company we go in and see, whether it be an owner or uh, um, a relative or a best friend. Um, It was just always easier when it came from upstairs. We got uh, sort of the door open. They gave us the name of who to see downstairs. I go downstairs. I'd uh, basically work on that uh, particular buyer, whether it be one month or two years. I'd never go back upstairs. Gain the respect, and uh, the door, uh, once it's open, it stays open.
2: So you you don't necessarily rely on internet very much.
3: At the moment, no.
2: This is really this is a personal business. One of the one of the things that you feel is you got to be in their face. Yeah, it's a relationship. Do you think that'll change?
4: We are working on a website now. We're revamping our image mainly because the customers that we want to go see, even if it's a relationship and a referral, still want to know that we're a credible company today. So it's important that they know that we're not the small, my father's company that we used to be. Some people need to know that we sell pallet wrap today and we sell tapes and we buy everything directly from the mills and we design packaging and we have packaging solutions for them and we need to convey that, and we're doing that through a website.
2: So, and when you bring up when you bring up image, you know, you, I think, well, there's a community. What does the community see as far as the image of Paramount Paper? What about give back to the community? Is that important, and kind of, if it is to you, when did you, when do you have that shift? When do you think now is the time to give back?
4: Well, it's something that's always been important to me. I feel that Most entrepreneurs who are good at organization and successful have a responsibility to give back to our people, to our community. Unfortunately, um, in 2000, my brother passed away of leukemia and at that time, uh, all his friends and family gathered and uh, we formed a fund called the Peter Astley Memorial Fund, which houses at the Royal Victoria Hospital and we raised money in his memory for leukemia. And uh, we felt it was important for his memory, as well as to give back to the community.
2: When your your brother was an integral part of the business up until his passing, uh, did did you take on other roles? Like, I mean, how did you deal with his passing? You took on other roles of the business that he was in, or perhaps uh, another sharing between uh, between yourself and John?
4: Well, it was a responsibility that was shared between John and myself. I leaned on John in those years for a long time. It was a, a difficult time. He, My brother passed away four years after my dad, so I was still grieving my father when my brother got ill. Mm-hmm. So it was a difficult personal time for me. Um, thank goodness the economy was doing well, and John has broad shoulders, and uh, we were able to muster through.
2: And I I think, you know, as we reach kind of uh, the next break before before Kevin comes on, I just want to say there's not all businesses go through such difficult personal moments and yet persevere and come out. You know, the entrepreneur can't just sit behind a rock, can't just quit when the going gets tough. It's how do you meet it head on and how do you make the best of it? because there is family behind there are people that rely on you whether it's customers suppliers family whomever it may be and as an entrepreneur it's really important to recognize that and strive through and that's really what one of the essences of an entrepreneur is keep going you got it regardless of what's in your way and how do i make this better how do i take this how do i how do i just turn it into something better
1: and they certainly did keep going uh deborah and uh and john you both come across as very strong do you feel strong love it yes definitely <laughs> after what you guys have been through i think uh,
4: well i, I make, think today yeah. now i feel matured and uh, all grown up after two recessions and unfortunately the tragedies that we've uh, been through and i feel proud that we have the a successful company that we do in spite of all that we've been through
1: So you guys will hang around and we'll get your advice uh, that you guys have for today's entrepreneur in a bit as well. Uh, But coming up, we'll have Kevin Ammerman on, IT uh, person at Fuller Landau, and uh, he's going to address some business-to-business issues when it comes to to IT. Uh, 7.45 on CJD.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Our guests this evening, Deborah Asseli and John Belikas from Paramount Paper Products. We also bring into the conversation uh, Kevin Ammerman, IT director at Full Orlando. And Dan, when we're talking about entrepreneurs
2: and we're talking about them selling to perhaps some of their larger customers, there's no question that this business-to-business. Business, I mean, the, the need to have efficient flow of information so that goods, uh, goods and services just get out to the to the end consumer faster is hugely important. And the, the advancement in technologies are monstrous. So, Kevin, welcome to the show. Thank you. And perhaps you can kind of educate us a little bit about B2B and the importance and kind of what's out there or what the benefits are.
5: Um, well, in a lot of the cases, the, the, the benefits are mostly to the large retailers so uh the big box stores of the world that are are uh, placing orders with uh, a number of vendors number of suppliers and uh they're actually they're kind of forcing those suppliers to jump on board with their systems so they dictate the terms of of how this software is supposed to work and how how their suppliers communicate with them and uh this is a big problem for a lot of uh, small and medium-sized businesses especially important manufacturing companies um, because they have to have uh, facilities on site to meet the requirements of these big box stores. And there's a big learning curve. All of a sudden they're being thrown into systems that they've never experienced before. And there's also a significant cost involved in setting this kind of thing up.
2: So what kind of areas, I mean, are we talking more software, hardware, knowledge, uh, you know, phone lines? What exactly kind of do does the entrepreneur
5: have to be aware about in simple terms? Typically there's got to be sort of uh, at least a basic kind of computer system in place some sort of network and some sort of internet connection but then the software it's often web-based and it's it is really m- very much provided by the by the big box stores themselves and you have to buy into their system and where it gets really interesting is if you're dealing with more than one of those kind of vendors then you're forced to deal with uh, multiple EDI systems within your own office and have people that are they're that trained in the use of all those systems
2: EDI what's what's exactly is that
5: EDI stands for electronic data interchange and this name has been around a long time so uh Back in the 80s and perhaps even earlier, uh, it was actually run over phone lines directly from the big box stores or the, their purchasing agents to the uh, manufacturers or the importers. Um, as the internet has evolved, it's it's turned into more an internet-based kind of system, but it still keeps the same name. Has
2: B2B, this business-to-business, business, all this software, um, What what's happening with the cloud? Is that making these products or these services any more accessible or inexpensive? or? you know with the keeping information not so much on your server in your office but on somebody else's server that you can access from anywhere
5: well to the to the small business or the the, the provider in this case uh... this would be sort of the origin of cloud-based software so it's it's software that they don't really have control of it's not really installed on their premise. It's it's installed at the the, the purchaser, um, who controls it all and controls access to it and maintains all the information on it as well, so it does take a little bit of a load off of the, uh, the smaller businesses in this case because they don't have to worry about backups, they don't have to worry about um, controlling access to the to the software. That's all in the hands of the, the the big guys.
2: Is there a lot of competition with these B2B software services? I mean, how does an entrepreneur know which one to get, or is it or does it end up being dictated by their larger customers.
5: It is very much dictated by the larger customers. The, the end users really don't have much of a say in the matter at all. Um, one of the interesting, when you're talking about competition, one of the interesting aspects is it, uh, often these systems integrate a bidding component. So it's more a direct business competition in, as opposed to uh, competition for selling a software product. It's, it's competition between the various vendors.
2: Bidding component, that's interesting. I think we're going to explore that uh, in a moment just afterwards. You're saying that the customers, the Walmarts of the world, Pit their own vendors against each other. Yes, most certainly, and it,
5: e- even it, not necessarily. Uh, well, in addition to the the actual material vendors, uh, shipping agents, um, trying to get trucking contracts, they're all integrating very much through the same EDI systems. So Walmart will have one large umbrella system that encompasses all this.
1: We'll get to that, and also uh, the last piece of advice for today's entrepreneur from Deborah and John. And after two deaths in the family and two recessions. I have a feeling overcoming adversity may be a theme uh, when it comes to to, to their advice uh, for you. That is next on Today's Entrepreneur.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult Fuller Landau, Chartered Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to today's Entrepreneur. Remaining moments with our guests, Deborah Asseli and John Belikas from Paramount Paper Products. And Kevin is in from Full Orlando. Uh, Kevin Ammerman uh, dealing with IT issues and talking about business to business. And, uh, and uh, Walmart came up in the conversation and how they're dictating a lot of that sort of backroom, uh, stockroom type of stuff. Um, uh, do you want to pursue that a bit, Josh? Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm re- curious to hear a
2: little bit more about what you've seen Kevin in. In these big box stores, pitting their own vendors against each other, and and how that kind of I don't know if it helps or if it improves or or hardens the B two B. But well,
5: ahead. keeping in mind, I'm the technical guy. I'm not the yes, business guy no, here, I so I I hear about this very much third hand. Um, but no, it is. I do see that the the bidding components are built right into the EDI systems now. So it is. It's all electronic. There are web pages where the the various players have to log in, submit their bids, and then Walmart picks and chooses among them.
2: So, John, I mean, you were talking about going to see customers earlier. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine if you didn't actually go see them, but you were just in front of a terminal and your com- competitors were on the same terminal and you were had to bid for your customer's business?
3: Well, that's cold.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and, and hence probably why it makes a difference between when you're offering service mm-hmm. or, or not. Right. Uh, it's quite amazing. Is there anything else, Kevin, that, that perhaps in the EDI world or in this, this cloud world, that might be a, a challenge to entrepreneurs, like with keeping information on site versus off?
5: Um, well, the EDI thing does make it a lot easier for businesses. So that is sort of one advantage to it. So aside from the, the competitive and sort of depersonalizing nature of it, um, making that infrastructure someone else's problem so that you can focus on your business um, and and do the stuff that really matters to your business, uh, in a lot of cases that can be an advantage. So it can be a, a quite a load off your plate. On the other hand, um, once you have one of these EDI systems in place, it can be very tempting to put all your eggs in one basket and become very reliant on that one, uh, one customer, uh, usually a very large customer, and to the exclusion of your sort of traditional market that you, were in, in days gone by, have been more personable with.
2: And and I would say certainly, and as we approach the holidays, which are just around the corner, not only they business to business, but then there's business to consumer, the B to C, the the online purchasing, and how that has made a tremendous change to the entrepreneurs that
5: are selling outward. It is the season, and it's not just the big box stores, but uh, even smaller vendors, and, and what we're seeing is, is more and more people are, are, are getting away a little bit from uh, the, the, the the large-scale box stores and online vendors and going to more uh Personal relationships through smaller websites such as Etsy and things like this that focus more on uh, uh, that personal communication and, and the custom manufactured products.
2: It's it's a lot to digest for any entrepreneur, and it's certainly if it's imposed on by their huge customers, it's I guess sometimes you just have no choice and you got to make the best of it. And uh, I guess speaking of making the best of things, as as we kind of wrap up the show and we we heard all about. The, the some trials and tribulations and the successes that happened through Paramount Paper, I, I would turn to, to Debbie and John and I would say, what would be the, the one piece of advice you would give to today's entrepreneur?
4: Well I would say to surround yourself with an excellent staff which is what we have at the office. It's very important to be able to rely on your people when you need them. You can't uh, do everything all the time and you need uh, specialists in their own department and we rely on them greatly and we're very happy to have them. I would also say not to spend all your money when you have it in the great years because you're certainly gonna want to spend some when you have less great years. And finally, I would say really to make your business your own. As a second generation uh, company, I spent many years, early years, saying, you know, how would my father do this? But in the end, you have to be happy in being able to do it your own way and feeling content in doing so and staying positive and making it for yourself. Uh, I, I
2: think that's great, and, and Dan, I'll, I'll, the takeaway is really about what you said earlier, perseverance. It's making sure that when something happens that's bad, you turn it into something good. It's making the flowers grow regardless of what manure might be uh, might be spread around, around it. And having that great base and the people surrounding and the good people surrounding it, that can only help
1: matters even better. Deborah Assily and John Belicas from and Paper Products, a very interesting story tonight. Thanks so much for coming in. Thank, Thank you. you. And uh, Kevin Armerman, uh, IT Director at Fuller Landau. Thank you again, Kevin, for your wisdom tonight. Thanks. Uh, Josh, we'll see you next week at 7.
2: Next week, Dan, phenomenal show, 131 years business, Fraser Furniture.
1: A lot to tell in a short time frame, but it'll be interesting. You can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit their website, www.flmontreal.com. Back next Monday night at 7 p.m. Good night.